Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. Fringe Arts is Philadelphia's premier presenter of contemporary performing arts. I'm April Rose, the Independent Artist Programs Manager here at Fringe Arts, and today we invite you to join us in a happy hour conversation with Fringe Festival independent artist Whitney Casal and Britt Davis. You may remember OOK Performance Group from their 2020 Fringe Festival piece, Do Mirrors Burn? This performance is free to view and still available to watch online now. We'll go ahead and make sure that the link is available in the podcast description to view that piece. Hello, Whitney and Britt. How are you? Hello. 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 So um, where are you coming from today? Where are you in the world? We are currently based in Berlin, Germany. Awesome. Well, how are you? How are you both doing today? Holding up. Yeah. Doing pretty well. <laughs> doing all right. It's <laughs> lockdown, but we're doing all right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for being here from, from so very, very far away. I mean, we always have to be at a distance, but you're even more at a distance than a lot of the artists I'm talking to. Um, so let's start off. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about OOK and your relationship, your collaboration, and specifically where where did this name come from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, it's kind of connected to our personal relationship, our friendship. Britt and I met in 2011 when we went to the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, and uh, we studied together there for four years, and then we went apart for a few years, and uh, eventually came back together. And with both of us living in Berlin, we knew we wanted to take the opportunity to uh, really start working and creating together. So um, we had the impulse to start choreographing and we envisioned this collaborative performance group where we would also bring in other artists to work with of all kinds of mediums. Um, so it's a, it's a very new endeavor, but uh, we just sort of began in, at the end of 2019. Exactly. Right before the world ended, before everything <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> And, well, the name is sort of a funny story. Yeah, you know, we were trying to figure out exactly what we wanted to call ourselves because we didn't want it to be, like, the Brit and Wit Club. We wanted it to be something that was very collaborative and influential that wasn't just about us. Mm -hmm. And so, um, by nature, we're both very sarcastic individuals, and our friendship is the basis of everything that we've done professionally. And so, oftentimes, we find ourselves looking at each other in a... a joke and be like, oh, okay. Or, oh, okay. Or, you know, just responding to things. And then it just became this kind of catchphrase that ended up working for us. And uh, yeah, we stuck with it. Yeah. And usually in a pretty positive sense, you know, exactly. like when we see oh, things we really like, okay. it's like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> gotcha. Well, okay. So you, you uh, let us know how you met and how you started. Can you I guess maybe speak a little bit to the um, and and you collaborate with artists of different medium of of the mission of your work. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, both of us are Americans living abroad and we really want to bring this aspect into our work in terms of, you know, we're creating in, in Germany because we live here now. But uh, Berlin itself is also a very international city um, and we still feel quite tied to the cities that we've lived or worked in in the States. So. Um, this idea of collaboration comes from our own passion for travel and for international exchange. Um, but I would say the basis of our group is really founded on this idea of equal collaboration. Correct. Absolutely. And bringing in uh, anyone else's past experiences or influences to the space and allowing them to exchange it with us in a yeah, collaborative sense. <laughs> awesome. 
That's great. I mean, it's a it's a interesting time to start a collaborative venture. I'm sure that that's uh, something that's influenced the the work a lot. Can we talk a little bit about Do Mirrors Burn? So you have this description of the piece that's it's still available on our on our website, and you ask these questions. What does it mean to create and even more to coexist with someone who knows you so well they could be your mirror image? What happens when another person enters the dynamic and how does that reflection carry when left alone? This is like something that definitely speaks to to people during during this time. And I know that a lot of people had a, a very probably emotional reaction to this piece during the Fringe Festival, which was our first obviously ever done in a pandemic and when we all had to isolate in our houses. So can you just talk a little bit about the background of the piece? Absolutely. Um, so as we said, our company began in 2019, and that's also when we began working on this piece mm -hmm. together, uh, intentionally just making it this 15-minute duet that was to be performed live, uh, actually with a totally different drummer. Uh, okay. And as the piece was evolving, we were coming up with this theme of duality, of mirror image, of self and other. And throughout the pandemic, that was challenged for everyone, this idea of isolation, of you know, self-reflection, as well as uh, reaching out to others in this time of utter loneliness and checking in with yourself and checking in with them at the same time. And so, yeah, this piece originally was supposed to be, like I said, live performance with the drummer. And we were invited to Sound Dance Festival here in Berlin in June of 2020, which obviously was still uh, the pandemic time. So they actually funded us to turn it into this film that you guys now saw in the Fringe Festival. And uh, if you look close enough, you actually see in the film that we uh, we had to follow some very strict pandemic guidelines of not touching. And right. in the original duet, we have a lot of very, very intimate partner work that was stripped away because we ended up filming it as two separate solos. Yeah. Um, watching the piece, you might not know that for a little bit. It took me a while watching it to be to realize that you weren't sharing space in it because mm -hmm. it looks so very reliant on each other. And the way that you're sort of, I want to say, quote unquote, communicating with each other is so it's so surprising when it overlaps and you realize mm -hmm. like, oh, they're not touching like they're not mm -hmm. in the same space at the same time which exactly. is, you know, very appropriate. <laughs> I think it really speaks for the time that uh, the piece transitioned into with the mm -hmm. pandemic and how even though, I mean, Wit and I lived 10 minutes down the street from each other, but didn't see each other for eight weeks until we took walks and waved from a balcony. And it's this this isolating feeling, yes, but still at no point in time did I not feel that she wasn't with me right. as my friend. And so this piece really spoke to that in the film version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the because the circumstances were changed in such a short amount of time, we were really forced to get creative and adapt to the situation. So we had never imagined this as a video project, as, as Dance for Film. Mm -hmm. And because they changed the uh, the platform to be digital, of course, we wanted to adapt as well, but it provided some challenges for, for us and our physical partnering and also oh, yeah. with the musician. You know, we had to seek a, a Berlin-based drummer. Previously, we were working with Britt's brother, Ryan Davis, who's based in Virginia. So we kind of used his score as a map um, that we had previously come up with. And then, yeah, David really uh, produced this entire solo in, in a very short amount of time in an incredible way. Mm -hmm. um, Bless him. He never even saw us dance the piece physically. He only saw it on video. Yeah. As he made the score. Oh, okay. I was going to ask like how it was done technically. You don't have to give up too many secrets, but what the filming process was like. 
an obstacle course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some some rehearsing outside, uh, which was quite challenging. After being in your kitchen for months or what felt like months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And lots of exchanging files digitally um, and just a lot of back and forth and a lot of communication to, you know, say, oh, let's tweak this this way or maybe we can make it work this exactly. way. Um, mm-hmm. But it did still somehow feel very collaborative in the Absolutely. sense that we were all committed to making it work and making something out of it, you know, especially in a time where art making was being really challenged and we weren't sure how we were going to move forward with that. So exactly. I think having that as the base was was sort of inspiring enough, even though it was so difficult in some yeah. senses. Right, right. I want to ask about the future of the piece. Obviously, it exists for us to keep watching. Um, but do you imagine that there's a, a post-COVID future that you're exploring with this one? Absolutely. That I'm really happy you're asking about this because we've <laughs> recently uh, been actually talking about how we're going to progress with this piece. Um, as you saw, it was uh, two dancers and one musician, and we plan on actually expanding it to be two more uh, sections featuring every time two additional dancers and one additional musician. So we have our collaborators here in Berlin that we are hoping to continue to work with or at least get started working with post lockdown. Uh, We have one cellist, a pianist, as well as uh, two Berlin-based dancers and two international dancers that we are hoping to collaborate with in the coming years and expand on this piece and see what expands with it, with the the theme of duality and self and Mm -hmm. other in a larger setting and a larger group. Yeah, and it, it'll be very interesting to see, like, this is a developmental part of the history of the piece. So I imagine even post-pandemic, this whole experience will probably influence how, wherever it ends up. It'll be such a huge part of it and its history. Absolutely, for sure. So I want to ask a little bit about your your other work outside of this piece, how the the pandemic and, and the isolation has affected your creative process um, in both, like, technical and just, like, your creative thought process sort of way. Yeah, it's, um, I think it's been a challenge for us all in some ways really difficult. And in some ways, like I sort of mentioned before, like forcing us to get creative, right? And mm-hmm. find, find other alternatives. So, you know, you said in the beginning, like, wow, it's so amazing that we're speaking from so far apart. And this is something I've really enjoyed during this time is being able to connect internationally much more accessibly with people, you know, seeing work that's happening, seeing what experiences other people, other artists are happening are having, um, you know, in the States and in other places in the world. I feel like I've had more input available in that sense. Um, and so the international scale is, is, is revealing itself in a different way. And that's in some ways pretty ex- uh, inspiring as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely to echo that. It has been so exciting to be able to expand on our work and, and connect with other international dancers in this time. For us as a company, like we started in 2019, so we spent all of 2020 trying to produce this duet Mm -hmm. and put it on stage. And we finally put it on stage the weekend before we went into the second lockdown here in Germany. (laughs) And so our other work sadly doesn't exist so much outside of this piece. Before producing this piece, we made a, a dance film that we connected with 18 other dancers uh, throughout the US and throughout Europe and created a, a small uh, film of 10 second dances that linked one into the other that we called Co. So this was actually our very first piece that we produced. And uh, we produced in the very 
first two or three weeks of the pandemic, just Mm -hmm. via email connecting with high school friends or, you know, friends that we met at Impulse Tanz or friends that we have here in Berlin, wherever it is across the across the world. And that was like such a riveting moment in that first lockdown where we're questioning what is a pandemic and how do we move forward? And this was Mm -hmm. such a beautiful moment to to connect with people and to make art in an accessible way. Right. It seems like you've made, you know, lemonade out of out of lemons with the <laughs> pandemic and, and this work, but can I ask what you're looking forward to uh, post-pandemic in terms of the performance community and your own work? So much. I mean, just just dancing in person because dance is such a, you know, it's such a visceral embodied art form. Adapting it digitally is wonderful. And I think it is also interesting and valuable. Mm-hmm. But the experience of doing and watching live dance is unparalleled. Okay, exactly. I, I'm looking forward to not only being on stage, but sitting in a theater again and being in a classroom and getting sweaty and <laughs> and feeling those beautiful feelings again of you know why we got started in dance and why we mm-hmm. persevered it's it's really difficult in this time as an artist to remind yourself constantly of what that used to feel like and i'm just looking forward to the simple things i'm looking forward to getting back into a class that's not in my living room right you know things like yeah. this and just being back with the community mm-hmm. have you seen anything that's been really inspiring or really out of outside of the box stuff that was produced in the past year that's been exciting for you? If I can be quite frank, I've had a hard time looking at dance. Right. Lately because I know what it feels like and what it looks like and how its fullest potential is. And I have a really difficult time watching dance lately. Okay. So sadly, I haven't seen so much. I've seen a lot on Instagram and I'm really inspired by what people are coming up with creatively through that platform. But as far as watching live stream dance goes, I've had a difficult time pulling myself through to do that. Right. From my perspective, I've um, seen a few new works, but actually what I've noticed most is a lot of, especially companies releasing old works, um, Mm -hmm. even from like the nineties, you know, really archive stuff that is either really well known or maybe was really revered in the time. And this has been really interesting for me to engage with because some of these things are pieces that I've learned about historically or that I've, you know, read about but never actually seen because they weren't available. Mm-hmm. Or I've seen them in uh, parts of them in some context and then seeing the full piece as a whole is like a totally different experience. So that's been really interesting for me as kind of this reflection from past into present and then wondering how that might even influence our future. That's so nice. I never thought about that. Yeah. Are you, um, I guess there's there's a lot that we're looking forward to and a lot of like going back to the way things used to be. Are there some things that you hope we've sort of learned in this time that we that we take into our practice in the in the future? I mean, you, you've spoken a little bit about it, but is there something that's like the one thing you took away from the pandemic creation experience that you would you bring into your practice? I mean, there's so much. I think more on like a social level. Yeah, absolutely. It's not necessarily about our practice, but more about the community and the dance world. Just noticing kind of the structures that exist and that aren't working, especially like as a working, you know, performer or as a freelance dancer um, and acknowledging that a lot of a lot of systems kind of need to be undone or or revisited or reimagined. Mm-hmm. And not to say that we have really clear ideas about that. That is something we strive for also in our partnership and our company as to 
approach work in a very supportive way um, yeah. for all the people involved. Exactly. And so, yeah, maybe less of a, a creative, but more of like a socially conscious note. Awesome. Well, um, so you are both currently currently based in Berlin, but you attended the the University of the Arts. So you have, you know, a history here in Philly. Can you tell us a little bit about your history with the Fringe Festival and participating in the Fringe Festival? Yeah, of course. So when we were in undergrad, we saw many performances oh, yeah. and shows through Fringe. That's where um, I got hooked on Anna Trees at a cure for her. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a staple um, in our viewing experience as an audience member. But when we graduated, I was still living in Philadelphia and working as well as a, a freelance dancer there, among other things. But, you know, having seen some some friends and teachers produced through the Fringe Festival, it seemed like a really wonderful platform to launch something myself. And so my collaborator, Ella Kuda, and I, we produced shows in the 2016 and 2017 Fringe Festivals and had um, some live performances there. And it was just a really wonderful experience, you know, in terms of, again, connecting with the community locally there, sort of expanding our creative ideas and um, learning how to produce a show. I mean, that's like really a skill set that you don't really know how to do until you do it. And it was quite an experience. And so also bringing those experiences, you know, to to our collaboration and OOK. For sure. Mm -hmm. For me, I was never a part of Philly French because I left Philadelphia right after graduation to move Mm -hmm. to Germany. And so this was such a a nice link to home, a nice uh, emotional bridge that (laughs) kind of helped my homesick heart heal a little bit. And Mm -hmm. so it was just so nice to be reminded of Philly again. And, you know, who knows that we might be able to one day actually perform this piece live for you guys in the future of the Fringe Festival in Philadelphia, because we do have a piece of our heart still left there. Right. (laughs) Not that there's ever like a a we were lucky this year kind of thing, but I feel like a lot of artists would not have been able to participate in this past year's Fringe had it not been for the circumstances that forced them to create something that, you know, they would never create. So I'm at least glad that we've had access to to this work, Um, though obviously the circumstances around the reasoning that we have access to it is obviously not, uh, not ideal, but... Um, it's sort of the story that's come up a couple times this year with artists that are, you know, participating across the world. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it was a treat for us to be able to be a part of the French Festival. And if, sadly, if it wasn't for the pandemic, there's probably no way we would have been able to make it through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in a way, it was a little bit of a light in the dark tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. That's that's a good uh, good quote for last year's French Festival, light in the dark tunnel. <laughs> So I know this is sort of a a dreaded question and I asked what you were looking forward to, but can I ask what you're working on right now? And you are free to to pass on it because, you know, artists hate getting getting that question. What are you what are you working on? What's next? (laughs) Actually, uh, Whit and I sat together on New Year's and had this conversation of, you know, what do we want to do this year as a company? Like, what is our what's our goal for 2021 and what do we want to leave behind in 2020? And as I mentioned earlier, we started working on this duet in 2019 and practically spent all of 2020 trying to put it on stage. We had our show canceled twice due to the Mm -hmm. pandemic and it finally went on in October. And so by the time November came around, we were wiped. We were so tired of trying to produce this show from (laughs) scratch and in, in these really, really tight restrictions that we put on. And so we decided that this year, whatever the conditions were to be, however long we were to be in lockdown, we wanted to get in the studio and have fun and remind ourselves of, you know, the enjoying feeling of being together in the studio and just let whatever comes come and practice the the small detailed 
improvisational tasks and not worry about actually making right now and mm-hmm. go back to producing when when the world opens up again. I think there's also quite a focus on our our personal practices and mm-hmm. you know what we bring as individuals when we come together and so both of us are kind of like really deep in some in some personal practices exploring that mm-hmm. and yeah I'm I'm curious to see how they sort of begin to influence one another and Absolutely. come together and grow. Well, yeah. great. Thank you for letting us know. Um, so I have a, a sort of a silly final question here. So since this is Happy Hour on the Fringe, historically we've said, what are you drinking? But we are obviously in, in very different time zones and not sharing a drink together. But We thought about making one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice 7.30 here. here on All right. Friday I'm night. like on an afternoon in, in the middle of my work day. So <laughs> you guys are in a, in a different place. But if you had to come up with a, a drink, a cocktail, uh, a mocktail that encapsulates your the spirit of your work, what would you what would you say it is? I mean, <laughs> difficult question. You know, I would say either an old fashioned or a dirty martini. Yeah, we've kind of gotten into dirty martinis this year just out of like, we need something strong. Right. <laughs> it's like a little pizzazz. Exactly. You know? Okay. So, got yeah. But our drink of choice from when we were exploring the bars for the first time as 21 year olds in Philadelphia is definitely an old fashioned. So we mm. type of, we like to go back to our roots, but also we're enjoying dirty martinis these days. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and download the Fringe Arts app. Thanks again to our guests, Britt Davis and Whitney Casal. You can find out more about OOK Performance Group and watch some of their work by visiting whitneycasal.com slash OOK. You can find the company on Instagram at oh.ok.performance. And Whitney's Instagram is at Whitney Casal and Britt's is at Britt Davis Dance. <laughs>